Hello and welcome to Off the Record. Um, we did not record last week because I was on the West Coast drinking some wine in a mountain called Big Bear. I didn't see oh, any bears. So fancy. Yeah, going I didn't to see Big any bear. bears. But there. Uh, it's like an adult adult vacation. Oh, yeah, for such a wee lad like you. Yeah, my parents let me skip Thanksgiving with them. Um, the Jewish goat will come soon. It's almost Hanukkah, so maybe I won't get anything. Um, God, I love Hanukkah. Eight presents, Jesse. Eight. I, I, I mean, I, I was always jealous of all my friends growing up. And then I get Christmas. You, you're just so lucky. I'm a spoiled brat. It's great. <laughs> I spent a week in California where Grace and I watched uh, the five Twilight movies, the Hunger Games. Uh, the new Hunger Games was really good. I wanted to see Yeah, that, like, I enjoyed it a lot. We watched both Jump Street movies. Um, I watched, she made me watch Bridesmaids, which I enjoyed. Oh, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, and then uh, we closed it out with Interstellar. Uh, so, so, so I'm noticing something that you had to watch a lot of chick flicks. I so. love chick flicks. I, I made her watch the chick flicks. Uh, with the wine. Think about how good the chick flicks go with all the wine we had. I was going to say, are you in the doghouse or something, dog? No, Damn. I, I, I don't even... There's no doghouse to be had with how many chick flicks I like. I am... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could get into one, but like, man, that's that's a lot. Did you see Interstellar? I didn't. You know, the my, it was my roommate's birthday, and she wanted to see uh, Mockingjay, so we went and saw that. Not a bad choice. It was great. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Interstellar was wild. I left, and I, for the first time ever, and I hope to never say this again, but I was like, right now, I am, as the kids say. I feel hype inside of me. Wow. It was so crazy. I was like, shit, we're going to space tomorrow, and it's going to be sick. Also, Matt Damon's in the movie. I didn't know that. Love Matt Damon. Uh, I, I didn't realize he was in it. I kind of hate Matt Damon, though. Fair enough. I, don't, I think it's like a secret. They didn't like bill it on purpose, I think. It's like a little little secret surprise. It's a secret surprise to, yeah. see, to, see, to see as uh, the South Park guys would say, uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> Uh, do we do a podcast? I think we do. Yes. Property Zach follow up. We've made our five year announcements. That's all going well. I've been going through an interesting time figuring out, I think, and hopefully the five people that view the website and listen to this will tell me that they'll be into it. I think we're going to definitely launch a, a Patreon um, campaign next year. And we've Which been, is going to be really interesting since you're about to talk, shit talk the guy who yeah. is the CEO in a few minutes. I'm going to shit talk him so hard. Uh, I really like his other business, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're going to launch. We I've been playing for months, really. I've, like, originally, I was like, we should have seven tiers of people that can donate. And then I was like, no, that's dumb. And then it was like, five sounds good. And then now I'm at three. So I think we're going to do like three tiers of. Um, it's there's like a base level donation which is just like two dollars a month to just support the site you don't get anything for those two dollars and then like five dollars a month you'll get you are supporting the site again and then you'll get like stickers and goodies a few times a year and also uh i want to do like a like a twice a year zine kind of thing i want to be punk mm. i don't know how to do it you but really I, are I, like that tweet that my friend i ran to on the way to thanksgiving saying like you're gonna be like uh Rookie Magazine, but for punks yeah. and with no good fashion advice. Exactly. That's exactly what I am. And then uh, I think we're going to do a $12 tier, which would be like the high-end one, which would be everything else. But then I want to, I don't know, I, I found like doing this has been enjoyable, like the podcast with the listener questions. It's clear that people have interest in some of our thoughts that are not just scripted topics. And so I, I want to have like a private... Like, the people in that tier have did a pride. Did like, you just imply there's a script to this? Yes, I did. <laughs> what a joke that is. <laughs> oh, I want to have, like, this $12 tier where for... So there's, like, ev everyone in that $12 tier is in their own little club, and there can be a conversation between everyone in that tier and me via, like, a monthly, once a month, basically, like, a Q&A private podcast feed of any questions on anything. Not, like... <clears throat> not that would interfere with uh, off the record kind of stuff, but more as music news questions or whatever kind of any, anything advice. That's not like what, what, what kind of record player should I buy questions, but other, other things. And 
yeah, direct access that is private and through a podcast feed, like a private feed that they could listen to once a month or whatever and like that. And I'm trying to figure out, it's hard because you want to figure out like the, the, the right language to use and to make everything sincere, but not like help us because you owe it to us, but also not like, fuck you, we don't need your help, but we do need your help. It's, it's a hard thing to balance while also feels like you need to be super humble about it, which it is humbling, but it's it's just a weird thing. It's like, you know, anytime a band is like, but but we don't want to ask our fans for money with a Kickstarter kind of thing. And that's not what I'm hoping to do because the site's going to go on anyway. But the, the point of the Patreon is to only make the site better with being able to pay writers and being able to like get more writers and better content. So it, it's been a been an interesting ground to try to feel out. Cool. It sounds like fun. I guess I'm now here seeing what I've been missing in that Slack chat. Yeah, that is. Nice. Though Kickstarter might be the answer because my father just emailed me and the headline is, this Kickstarter will deliver a pepperoni pizza bed to your doorstep. <laughs> I love my dad. I love my dad. I don't. I know he doesn't know what Kickstarter is. He just saw pepperoni pizza bed and was like, I'm stoked. <laughs> I hope Todd, my co-author on Get More Fans, doesn't see that because it might be the end for him. I think pepperoni pizza sucks. I think we talked about this. We did talk about it. We both think pepperoni pizza sucks. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got some listener questions. First one is actually a follow-up on something we talked about a little bit ago, a few shows ago, about kind of merch bands should be doing from the bat. Not necessarily when you're like a touring machine kind of band, but when you're a young local band... What do you think a good first uh, merch venture would be for a relatively small band? Specific shirts, bracelets, and other items. Never do those bands on your wrist if you're a small band. Never. Even Don't if you're that. like a shitty Rise Core band? No, you should do those. But not if you're like, oh, you mean if you're like a local shitty band that wants to be a shitty Rise Core band? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Just asking. I would. I like the. Uh, I like the crew neck move a lot. Obviously, you want a t-shirt. I, I, I. So yeah, I think it's t-shirt and then the seasonal shirt. So it's like if it's summer, you you know, if you're a tank toppy type of band, you do that. If you're, it's winter, you do a hoodie or a crew neck. Yeah, I love the crew neck. Also, then if you're if merch is going kind of well, the the beanie's a nice thing to roll out as well because you can send you can sell it for ten to twelve bucks, and uh, suburban pop punk kids love beanies. And I think the other thing too is you know the one big thing with crew neck and uh, you know hoodies is that like the the price entry point is not a very nice thing to say. Hey, do you like me enough uh, to pay thirty dollars and you may only have two songs that are just streaming online or something? Because they probably don't like you thirty dollars enough, especially if it's a nice fair trade shirt and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Good shirts are important. You gotta look fancy. You gotta look fancy as a as a child wearing a mm. band shirt. Mm. I only have band shirts. It's great. I put on a I put on a button down. Do you only wear band shirts even in the winter? Oh yeah. I, I seriously, Jesse, I own two non band I own two non music shirts and they're both button down shirts that I wear essentially never. I wore one of my button down shirts to Grace and I's Thanksgiving meal, and she was shocked. She was like, wow, didn't know you brought that. Wow. You really you really dressed up for me. I was like, yeah, I did. Yeah, I only own band shirts. You go two ways. I got the fancy stuff, and then I got the band shirts. But in the summer, I pretty much just wear band shirts. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have style. It's great. All right. So the, the next question is, what podcast do you recommend, which is like a rabbit hole that we could just go down forever? Yeah. I'm um, currently hooked on Podcast Beyond and Nintendo Voice Chat for my video game needs, Men in Blazers for my English football, Star Talk for Science. I've been liking that one. I just started it. And yours for music. Video game science and music are definitely my main interest, but I'll give everything a lesson. Go for it, Zach. Okay. Wait, Jesse, you don't listen to Men in Blazers podcast? There's no way. Okay. English football? Are you kidding me? All right, sports. So I'm gonna throw. Out, I'm gonna throw out a few here for tech. My quick tech hits are uh, Daring Fireball, Accidental Tech Podcast, and Connected. My t- two random picks, and these are like my favorite podcasts that Jesse hates: A Rodder on the Line and Back to Work. And then some other assorted ones that I really love are music. Um, I really like Matt Pryor's podcast. It's usually not the best quality. Like sometimes he 
sometimes the guests that are in bands will call on their iPhone speakers and what are you going to do about that? But there's also a lot of, uh, I just started listening to a lot of them and there's a lot of really small talk, like really, really small. See, talk. I, like, like, dude, I like, I like, well, not the small, there's a lot of inside baseball talk. I, I think there's also a lot of like, dude, like, can we trim this? No one really cares about this. Yeah. Well, I, I think some of the guests he has on there are ones that, everyone else has limited access to that I like a lot. Like you're not going to hear from like Jim Atkins a lot on like mm-hmm. anywhere else. So I, I think yeah, that's I listened good. to that one this week, actually. Just because of all the connections he has, I, I like it a lot. And uh, other music ones I like. Um, does anyone have a music podcast? I don't know. Eh, maybe not. Um, oh, I like Ray Har- Harkin's podcast a lot. The um, hundred words or less and my friend Evan Lucy's voice and verse. I just started going through 100 words or less as well. I went through some back episodes, and uh, I've been really enjoying that as well. I keep meaning to tweet that. Yeah, and then just other two random ones that Jesse, or one I know that Jesse likes. There's Serial, which I'm sure you've heard of by yeah. now if you're listening to this. And then yesterday, last night, um, while I was very tired and out of my mind, I started this podcast called Startup. Um, and if you're... I, I, I did that one as well. That's a great podcast. Yeah, and so I think if you're business leading, like if you if you have interest in business or ever working for your own company or starting your own company, check out Startup. It's a really interesting concept of a podcast and of a business. But if you have, if you hate business shit, you're probably not going to care about it. But um, yeah, those are those answers. Jesse. Jesus versus Merrill is the funniest podcast, though I do think it's better to watch it on YouTube because it's very visual. Um. I like the Joe Rogan experience when he has smart people on. Um, I can't listen to when he has, like, fighters on. Um, Creative Control is a really good music podcast done by a writer for Exclaim up in Canada, and he sometimes has phenomenal guests. Uh, You mentioned Startup. Um, I'm a big Tim Ferriss show podcast listener. I've listened to every episode. I listen to WTF when he has a guest I like. Listen to the Brett Easton Ellis podcast when he has a guest I like. I tried that one hello internet the other week and I couldn't get into it. The hosts really annoyed me. I wanna I wanna try that too. I just haven't yet. Um, but now would be the time to try it for me since it's still only like twenty episodes in. Is it that many? I thought it was less, but uh, I couldn't get past two. So I think Serial's the best podcast to come along in forever. And uh, yes, yeah, Star Talk that I mentioned before, and that's what I've been listening to. Wonderful. Um, cool. So, yeah, I like podcasts. But, Jesse, someone is buying headphones for mixing, and um, blah, 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 blah. Studio talk is stressful for me to read about. He's between a few kinds. What do you recommend? So, they have in this list Sennheiser 380s, Audio Technica MTA50Xs, Grado SR80s. Grados have an open back design, the others are completely noise isolating. I wouldn't say completely. That's the wrong word but that's that picking for experience do you have any advice um well so yes open back if you have a loud roommate you're not going to want open back headphones or you want to do a lot of critical listening in public you're not going to want open back if you live in new york city and ride the subway you're not going to want open back i also think noise canceling is a bad idea too because it does weird things to the phase of things around you so you want something general um i tend to find, and this is advice I don't see written everywhere, is that every company kind of has their EQ curve. Sennheiser has an EQ curve I personally really enjoy because I think it preserves the mixing engineer and mastering engineer's intent. Um, I am very big on uh, whatever your budget is, buying the Sennheiser in that budget just because I think it's a good EQ curve. In fact, you tweeted out some article from a guy who was saying what to do for podcasts, and he recommended those Sony headphones. And I think that that's one of the things is that through radio, those Sony headphones have gotten a big recommendation over the years, and it's just like silliness passed down because they're $100 headphones. And there's so many headphones that are in that price range that that are better. But specifically, I think any Sennheiser, I'm not crazy about Audio-Technica's, EQ curve. Grados sound fantastic, especially if you listen to like gentle music, like you're really into like Steve Albini recordings or like ambient rock um, these days. Um, my new, I shouldn't say dark horse because uh, 
they are somewhat popular are the Focal Spirit. I listened to those for a couple days, and I will be buying those as a supplement to my very expensive $300 Sennheisers. I also should say, though, I have a $20 pair of Sennheisers, and we use them for most of the st headphones in the studio. The uh, 280s, I believe, or 202s, there you are. Um, those are phenomenal, and they're great because when they break, you know, they're cheaper than the Apple headphones. So when they break, you just literally throw them away. I know it's not fun to throw $25 away, but you get what you pay for it. And they sound great. They're over the head. But um, the Focal Spirits, where I listen to them, I hear things that I haven't heard before, even in my own mixes. So I like that. I think they're a really great quality. And on Amazon right now, I'll link it in the show notes. They're like $180 around the Christmas holiday because I look at them on my wish list every day. Show notes are at offtherecord.fm, where you can see what Jesse is going to be buying for Christmas and me for Hanukkah. <laughs> Sadly, for me buying for myself. Oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. Cool. So we are sponsored this week again, once again, by O Promotions. Uh, if you're a band like we were just talking about who needs merch, uh, you need some fanny packs, you need some tank tops, you need some beanies, whatever you need. Bands, labels, clothing companies, O Promotion is a full-service company for your merchandising desires, um, ready for your order. With over 25 years of experience, you can find a better and more secure partner for your merch, for your merch printing at a great cost, really good for any small quantities for uh, smaller bands that are local or large as well. Um, can ship, can pick up, can do whatever. So uh, head to offtherecord.fm to check out O Promotions or go to opromotions.net for more information. Thank you for sponsoring Off the Record. Uh, our first topic this week. I had a really weird thought um, when I saw the news that we were no longer going to see Cosby Show reruns on TV. Now, I should also preface this with I don't think I watched the Cosby Show much as a kid, and I really don't care i actually don't even really like bill cosby that much but and i also think what he's accused of is disgusting but the one thing that left me feeling really uncomfortable and like i started to like collect my feelings about this over the past few weeks is that like stopping rerunning his show felt really weird to me and some of it was because while he's accused of rape we still have Michael Jackson, and so I know some of you are younger, and you may not remember this, because this happened when I was pretty young, but, you know, just as Bill Cosby is accused of rape and made it go away with money, essentially, by paying people off to drop charges, Michael Jackson did the same for child rape, essentially. While I don't want to split hairs about which rape is more disgusting, I think we could all agree that there's, like, a, you know, ring of hell while you're still in hell, that the there's a worse ring of hell for child rape and molestation. Yet we still hear Michael Jackson on the radio every day. I started to grapple with the idea of like, what do we do about this? That people do really, really gross things, but it's also weird to erase them from history. Like I remember there was even a thing of like, um, and I'm not a sports person at all, but like Pete Rose, who was like a really popular bass player, was told he couldn't be put in the Hall of Fame because he gambled at one point while he was a manager. And I think it's really weird when we start to modify history because we don't like something someone did after the fact or on the side of their other significant moments. Now, there's another part of me that, like, when Michael Jackson comes on, while I really enjoy some of his music, I also feel a little dirty sometimes. And then it gets really sticky when you think about that dude from the Lost Prophets did some really, really disgusting stuff. And you're like, oh, I don't want to think about baby rape when I hear his song. And then Steve Klein from Newfound Glory, who I already hated as a person for my own personal dealings with him, kind of tarnishes some Newfound Glory stuff, too, when you think about what he's accused of. And he's yet to be sentenced. But, and you know, we presume that the guilty or that the accused are innocent until they are, are convicted and all or we see some really gross evidence that the trial didn't go well. But my question is, is how do we handle keeping true history? And like, you know, there's no doubt that Bill Cosby innovated things. There's no doubt that Michael Jackson, I, let's, I, let me go further. There's no doubt that Bill Cosby and Michael Jackson 
both changed the whole world and the way we see their particular art forms and have contributed so much to their particular art form, forms that, like, erasing them from history and then taking their contributions out of the cultural dialogue would be a very weird thing to do. Do we deny this for the sake of that we're now sickened by them? Are we just going to have a hiatus from the Bill Cosby show for a little bit and then it comes back on? Like, what do we do here? And... I'm still collecting my thoughts. Do you have any? Yeah, I, I, oddly enough, and it's it's a bummer of a thing. Like we're we're kind of seeing this more and more. I feel right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is the thing with like internet accountability. And I think it's very funny how we began to see this. Um, somebody's made like some timelines about the Bill Cosby thing, about how Gawker posts an article, then Hannibal Burris makes a joke, and then a couple magazines pick it up, and then you're like oh, this thing that happened over 15 years ago is now back to ruining this guy's life. Right, just last night at, at uh, dinner I was at, actually, um, I was with a friend that, you know, has toured a great lot and, and mostly got his success, like, in the early 2000s, um, like when, you know, Drive Through and Vagrant and Equal Vision were at their early peaks. And he was like, you know, the stuff that happened on tour then, nothing bad, like, no no rape or no like crimes even, you know, just like, just kind of like gross boy, sexual things that are all consented. So, so we're basically talking about you do, uh, we're talking to somebody who knew Richard and Steffi Reyes from drive through who did some very borderline child molestery things. No, not even, yes. That, a person like that. Yeah. But not, not, not even about like the, the drive through people, just like about how bands would tour and about how like gross it would be when like, you know, you would you would walk in on a bus and there would be absurd shit happening, right? And just like if that happened today, it would be on it would be on Tumblr, and then the band member would be blacklisted, kicked out of the band, and then the band would likely be blacklisted too. You know, like mm -hmm. the like and that. But ten years ago, that you know, no one had any second thought about it because it would never go anywhere because it wasn't illegal; it was just questionable. But now, questionable. You know, I know like the things we're talking about with Cosby or Newfound Glory or Lost Profits is all illegal, right? But like even stuff that is technically perfectly legal and consenting, like it's still something people would deem as weird and fucked up. And today that just wouldn't fly. And you would, you know, like if, if something happens today like that, it, it's over for sure. Well, even think about like, you know, like what Buddy Nielsen just discussed in his life is that like if a band member outed him for going to prostitutes, That'd be a very big deal. Right, yeah, and that, that, the whole Buddy Nielsen thing is actually how that conversation I was having started last night. Um, and there's a, I, if anyone who listens to this hasn't, uh, uh, 100 Words or Less recently ran a podcast episode with Buddy from Census Fail where he sort of uh, got a l very large 10-plus year weight off his chest of addiction, both in form of alcohol and, and sexual, and it was... Quite a listen, <laughs> um, and and kind of also did give a give out a feel to what, you know, there there was no internet how we know it today then, or there were no like you know cell phones how we know it today then, and everything was I think I mean I don't really know Jesse can say more than I but much more closed or sectioned off or safe regardless of what you were doing because there was just less of a chance that your very your fans with very loud voices were going to hear about it. Same thing for Bill Cosby. There wasn't screenshotting texts and YouTube videos as much. Though the late Marion Barry, who also passed away this week, would argue that who was caught doing crack in about 1991 with a prostitute on film. Whoa. <clears throat> well, yeah, he was mayor of D.C. and got reelected after that. I think the real question like we wanted to ask is, do we erase people from history who do... Thing X, whether that's cause let's call it let's call it gross things, right? And beyond that, do we deny do we deny that history and art? And so, I don't know to me to me the only like I, you know I, I was never really a Lost Profits fan. I actually really loved the Cosby Show on reruns when I was growing up, but you know I, I can't imagine I've seen an episode in well over ten years. Um, but so the only the only scenario where this kind of has happened to me like in real life is the, the newfound glory situation with Steve Klein, where uh, newfound glory are one of my favorite three, like pop punk bands ever definitely had a large influence on my life 
In fact, I got to know Steve Klein through Jesse and Man Overboard at a time when I was like 17 or 18, I guess. And that was like one of the coolest things ever for me because the site was still really young. Like I was still really young and holy shit, I was around this person that I viewed as like, uh, you know, like like not a role model, but like, oh my God, you're like a pop punk god and I'm among your company and it's just cool. And then two years later, three years later, you know, we all know what has uh, transpired at this point, even though there has been no court sentencing. And that was when that happened, I was like, holy shit, what do I think of Newfound Glory songs now, knowing that Steve has written most of all of them? What do I think about when we say most of all those steve's credit is writing a lot of the lyrics right 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 so the the most of the substance that i personally as a fan grabbed onto with newfound glory or holy shit if i go to a show and i'm still cool with that with steve not being there and i go to a show though are the songs going to feel weird to me is new music going to feel weird to me like etc etc and that was the first time to me a situation like that had ever happened where i was just like whoa what the fuck is going on here? And like, how, like, I think a lot of the internet didn't know how to react. And to me, I don't know, it's tough. At the same time, so after that, I, I didn't listen to Newfound Glory for a while on purpose. And then I have listened to Newfound Glory probably as more or less as much as I have anyway since then. And I haven't found problem with it. Let's say Steve is convicted of the disgusting things he's accused of, which is Essentially, some form of child molestation, they're calling it. In the courts, that's correct? Uh, I, th- I think it's kind of tricky. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, something akin to taking advantage of a minor. Right, right, um, yes. If he's convicted from that, convicted of that, I just don't know that going back through somebody's past and saying, now he can't play them on the radio and... All that stuff, but then I also wonder, like, when is somebody gonna cross our border? You know, it's like a little gross to think about. I remember when the Michael Jackson thing happened. That like, you could take a lot of the lyrics and be like, "Ooh, yeah." Same thing right. with Newfound. Like a few, I remember like a few people were like, "Ooh, like this lyric feels weird now." And I think that I think that's definitely true. Like, even if it truly has no relation at all, it's still like you still get to a point where it's still always on the back of your mind somewhere, right? And it's like, "Ooh, this feels weird." I, you know what's though funny though is it's not always on the back of my mind with Michael Jackson is that like I'm not sitting there doing it and if like honestly if somebody repeated a Bill Cosby joke I don't know that it's going to be on the back of my mind but then the other thing I think about so I obviously co-produced uh, One Man Overboard record with Steve and like you know when I get my royalty check for it it's like it's a weird thought that like you know when you're uh, buying and giving this music to um, music to somebody, and like you know, you're consuming it. That you're kind of funding this child molester. Now, we could get into another whole topic about how band agreements have things, and Steve has probably been cut out of all royalties and found glory because um, he probably they probably we don't know this for sure have a part of the agreement that says if you do something that. Uh, takes away from their reputation to tour that you get cut out of the royalty equation. So he's probably not getting that, but, you know, he is undeniably getting uh, most likely his publishing. And so you're like, oh, well, do I want to click play on that song? Because then it, it gives a royalty to a child monster. And there is a thing of, well, you let the reruns continue to happen. You know, Bill Cosby keeps getting checks and he's a rapist and then he's able to silence people who we rape because he has checks to silence silence for his raping which is a little uncomfortable yeah it's it's definitely uncomfortable the i don't know the michael jackson situation is kind of super interesting like i like i i don't like like michael jackson's music i was also not born when i or maybe i was just born i don't know when all that stuff was like in the air right yeah i think you were like just you, you were like an infant but it is i think kind of really crazy how you know, in relation to Bill Crosby, Bill Cosby, Michael Jackson was young when all that happened and then was forgiven. And oh, uh, no, he wasn't that young. It's not like he was 80, though. Like, Bill Cosby's old. I know Bill Cosby's not 80, but like, yeah, but the, also the Bill Cosby stuff happened 20 years ago. Right. And, but it's really like coming to life now when Bill Cosby is this old, like, really old looking man, right? Meanwhile, like, Michael Jackson 
was still like in his career at this point, right? Like I feel like we don't really think of Bill Cosby like in the middle of his career right now. Well, right? what's funny is it kind of ended Michael Jackson's career. But then he came, then stuff came back, or is that not? No, accurate? that is so. So he suffered the so the largest uh, major label loss on a record of all time is the record that came out after the child molestation stuff. Um, no record has ever lost as much money as that record. Oh, wow. History of music. So that's not true. Okay, gotcha. So, but but like you were saying, like, I still hear his music everywhere, right? Yes. Like, so to me, I, I feel like that's really interesting. Like in 20 years, are someone's new children going to be watching the Cosby show? I feel like probably not. Uh, and But I, I don't understand why, like, Michael Jackson gets that pass and no one else does or yeah know. and i think there's also a thing is that uh technically the cosby show while it may bear his name is undoubtedly an ensemble thing and we can't say that all these other people are horrible people then while like yes this may have been his brainchild a tv show is much more of an ensemble thing than a uh it's the same thing kind of like i feel like with newfound glory or lost profits like you know no one's blaming no devotion for you know what that disgusting singer dude did um, you know, that was his gig and, you know, I think that there's a thing that then do we also have all these other people's income and reputation and place in history punished is another just sketchy place. And I think we really have to put a lot of thought as a society into how we want to handle this. And yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. When I'm out drunk dancing, I get happy when some Michael Jackson songs come on and I dance and I don't think about that. I had to listen to a kid testify about birthmarks on his private parts. It's kind of, I, th I feel like part of, I don't know, like the Cosby show was something millions upon millions of people enjoyed, right? But at the same time, it was also probably many hundreds of episodes of 30-minute sitcom stuff, which can be like, we all really love 30-minute TV or our TV or, but I, I also kind of feel like, when you, when you split the difference between like literal music art and like, you know, acting and, you know, short TV kind of art, there's like a, I feel like there can be a very large emotional difference potentially, you know, hmm. um, like, you know, newfound glory fully is part of the reason why the site is happening or why I'm anywhere right now. Like that band like really changed my musical life. Um, because they like, I, I love that music so much. And so I feel like I, I have such a big bond with them. However, like Lost Prophets, I liked one song of when I was in seventh grade and I hadn't thought about that band until all that news came out, you know? And mm. then it was like, well, I don't give a fuck. That's really gross. Uh, at the same time, it happened with Newfound Glory and that's not the thing I thought about. The thing I thought about was these songs mean so much to me. Is that tainted now? Because I really don't want it to be tainted because these songs really have meant a lot to my life. Meanwhile, like, like, you know, if there's just some random TV show that I've watched for a few years, that's a 30 minute comedy, like, yeah, that would be, that'd be, I would feel terrible because of the situation that has happened, right? But I'm not, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily like, emotionally bummed because my tie to that episode, my tie to that show is over now. I feel, I, to me, I just feel like the medium is different emotionally. Well, so I think it's even more important than you're getting into emotions. I know, you know, That's sad boy, emo guy over here. But like, um, I think what's even more interesting is that the Cosby show is like literally like history. That's like, really fair. Yes. Yeah. It, it, this like changed racial relations to the point where we are in this country. And, you know, a week after Ferguson, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get too uh, gushy about where we are with racial relations since I'm pretty pissed off right now but uh you know this th there's no doubt that Bill Cosby made white people's shitty attitudes towards black people better and like these aren't mutants and there's a lot of white people who treated black people like that until that show and it helped normalize young generations to see that a black family what's going on in a black family is not much different than what's going on in a white family I would like to see that continue on. I guess that maybe is, now that we've talked this out, that's my disappointment. Is me, I think there should still be reruns of The Cosby Show because I think the greater good it does is not even just a historical context, but like when 
children see this programming, they see a family that somewhat resembles theirs. Now, I think it's less resembling now that it's not the 80s, and I, you know, to be honest with you, I grew up in the time of the Cosby show, and that family didn't really resemble mine. My family was way more crass and weird. I'm sure there's a lot of other people, I have a lot of friends that did notice that thing that, like, and you know, like, I have a father who didn't meet a black person until he was 13 because of where he grew up in the country. And, you know, I grew up in a town that was very, very mixed race, almost equally. And I didn't have to have that experience because I just had black friends all my life. And I think that it this helps and we need that help any way we can get it. So maybe that is my thing is I don't want that erased. I want every opportunity we can to show that race is not the defining difference in our lives. And it's such a tricky thing. And I don't even know, like, I don't feel like anyone really has finite views on how it should be i think obviously a lot of people are like this should never be played again or of course it should be played again but the more you the more my, I need, my twitter feature did yeah I don't know, the more i think of like i don't know the new because the you know the newfound glory situation pops up here and there and it's like eh, i don't know how i feel still a year well over just about a year later um and meanwhile i actually i think the the pete rose thing you brought up about him um, not being allowed in the baseball hall of fame is kind of like a really good example of it because it's like, he's one of the best baseball players ever. And what he did, what he got in trouble for didn't even happen while he was a baseball player. It happened while he was a baseball manager. Are we going to like, you know, we'll, we'll allow, we'll allow Barry Bonds to have the home run record, even though it's clear he was on steroids while he was hitting these home runs. And we're going to let him in the, we're going to let him in the history books, but Pete Rose did all of it clean and then he did some messed up stuff and we're erasing that. So I don't know. I feel like no, I feel like no one, no system, no company, no artist, whatever has like a set playbook. It all changes per situation and per how the world perceives this one person or individual or whatever. And it's weird because there is no, this is what we should do. And I think that is because a lot of it is so emotional. Yeah, and then like you know the the last the last thing I'll say say is is that like the I think the other thing that made me feel like I'm like I think I'm always looking for a logical system and I want to get my thoughts around this and then you know I think about Chris Brown post beating Rihanna and I'm like why was this guy allowed to keep putting out music on a major label? Oh yeah, that oh god, that's a really good example too because right now he's like. Dude is popular right now. Yeah, I mean you know, dude just had a song. Like, dude has, like, a song with Nicki Minaj. It's very popular right now. Yeah, and like, he was basically allowed to go about it, his business after really, like, oh, God. Like, like there's just, evidence. Like, there, like, you can see the pictures, and that's... Yeah, and oh. it's not like he denies he did it. And you're just like, why is this okay? Now, we really want to go down the road of why did she start dating him again, which is even worse. But no matter what, like... I would just like us to have a better conversation about how we handle this stuff. And I know if I'm in charge of that conversation, it's that Chris Brown sitting in a dog pound with Michael Vick and locked up behind bars for a long time. And yeah, we're, we're I don't know that we're erasing their back catalog, but they're definitely not allowed to come back into polite society um, so fast. Yeah, I, th I think the to me, and we can switch after this, is just like, the after, I feel like the, the before shouldn't have to be ruined necessarily. It can be if you want it to, blah, blah, blah. But like, to me, the after, like the Chris, the Chris Brown scenario is a really good one where it's just like, what? Like, who, who is okay? Like, how can, how can you be okay with that? Like, d does that image of Rihanna not just pop up in your mind when he releases a new music and is making millions of dollars in 2014? Like, so, so maybe that's the, 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 the off the record stance is that, your before can stand, your after, not so much, dude. You 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 know what you do. You're you're no longer allowed to sit at the big kids table. Yeah, I'm fully with you. So awesome! Wow, we agree. We agree. Well, we're about to not agree. We are about to not agree. So to switch topics, uh, over Thanksgiving week, I think there is a band called Pomplamoose that I don't know much about, but from my understanding, uh, Pomplamoose is kind of a uh, a very much like a video driven band. They're kind of, you know, like they have hundreds they, of At millions. one point they were hailed as um, 
YouTube's biggest band. Right. Back when that was not a thing that happened very often like it does right now. Pompomus got got was one of the first bands that was getting was doing this thing that's very lucrative for bands. Or I should say small bands. Covering a song, making an amazing video of a popular song. Let's say Lady Gaga Telephone right when it came out. And they would do their own weird version of it with like accordions and then cardboard boxes and cover it in a very unique and creative way with a very creative video and would get millions upon millions of views. I think like 8 million views they got for like the telephone video pretty much off the bat. And when the big shocking thing was is that they were getting a comparable amount of views to what the actual video was getting. So let's say the video was getting... 100 million and they're getting 8 million it made a very big conversation about like wow they're getting about 10 percent of what the actual uh, video is getting so that's how they rose to fame but the other thing that was very notable about them is they were doing this very consistently and yet were not playing live at all and had no major label behind them they basically had a, when i first interviewed jack conti almost six years ago like they basically had a google pay uh, shop on their MySpace to get paid. And we're doing a lot of very innovative things to monetize their own solo work. Or I shouldn't say solo, their original songs um, with these covers. And uh, they did a lot of things that broke down the walls for something that I think now we take advantage of very much. Right. And also, uh, as Jesse mentioned, Jack Conte. Conte or Conte? Uh, Conti. Conti. He also is the founder of a service we were talking earlier about in this episode called Patreon, uh, which I think is a really great service where creators uh, launch their own page and then have patrons who support them for their work. And that work is either just, I'm going to give you two bucks a month because I support you. Or if we get $2,000 a month, that means uh, Properties Act can make better podcasts or can make better posts. Like there, there's two forms to it. One is just the... Um, I'm giving you a donation. Maybe I get back a t-shirt. The other is the more money we're making, we're hitting goals. So if you really want uh, Properties Act to bring back live videos, we need to make $5,000 a month and then we'll bring back live videos. And so it works kind of as a two-part thing. And I, I think it's a really fantastic idea. And I, I see a lot of people who are finding great success with it. So Jack does both things. He's in this band and he's the CEO of this platform that just raised millions of dollars and is doing very well in the venture capital world. Um, so Pamplemousse went on a tour. It was a 28-day tour. They played 24 shows in 23 cities around the United States. The high mark of the tour was that they sold over 1,100 tickets in San Francisco, where I deem might be their hometown. <laughs> Um, and that is their hometown. Is yes. their hometown, and they sold essentially a hundred thousand dollars in ticket revenue. So that sounds great. That sounds really great. There's a, there's going to be a post in the show notes with all this. Um, you can scroll down it. It's it's very nice. Text is nice. A lot of pictures. You can see that they have kind of a sprinter van with a U-Haul trailer. Uh, you can see what kind of their fans look like, the kind of show sizes they're playing, and all of that. Within the post. Uh, Jack explains how they actually lost money on this tour that grossed $100,000 in tickets and uh, that grossed, you know, that brought in, a, a, that brought in. A, well, so, so let's say this. They, it brought in $135,000 from the tour and then they lost 11000 Right. And in the post, he, he breaks out everything. He breaks out all their income, all their expenses and all of that. Going into it, I kind of expected, oh, he's going to just tell us that they lost money and not show why. And I was I was ready to just be like, this is dumb. This person's an idiot. However, he, to their credit, they broke out all their expenses. I read through them all. And then I said, oh, you're an idiot and you need a manager and anyone could make you money and you're losing money and you guys should be... This is like reading this. I was even so Joe from Knucklepuck, who is a very smart young man, my age. Uh, he's not like a you know he he handles a lot of the business stuff for Knucklepuck, but he's not like 
you know, he's not a he's not an accountant. He doesn't have an MBA. Right. He's not a business manager. He's not the CEO of a company, blah, blah, blah. And he goes and he texts me randomly about it. I haven't showed them the link. And he's like, how the fuck did this happen? Like this is he he was dumbfounded. And frankly, I was dumbfounded, too. So do you want to start or should I start? Sure. I, I think there's another bit of context I want to provide before we start this discussion, too. If you go to Pomplamoose's YouTube channel, they have a little over 100,000 or 100 million YouTube views, which is nothing to sneeze at. Like, you go to a lot of your favorite bands, shock yourself by clicking on that About tab and see how few they have compared to that. Ariana Grande, to give you a counter, has about the same amount of YouTube views as them, within like 3 million when I looked the other day. We know how Ariana Grande is traveling. Pretty grande. So, again, everyone should read the article on their own and, and see how the band's traveling, see what the... Ex- there is a pa- pause button if you're uh, sitting around. Yes, and uh, see you know see what they're traveling in and, and just get the lay of the land here. So, the band, the band spent... Um, well, I'm just going to go through a few prices that I think are disastrous and why the band lost so much money. So the band was in a sprinter, as far as I can tell. A sprinter does or doesn't, may or may not have kind of bunks, um, which is good. However, um, they spent a set, they spent over, they spent seventeen and a half thousand dollars on hotels and food. They, uh, <laughs> they had two people per room and four rooms per night and Best Westerns. Again, that equaled, with food, over $17,000. I don't care, frankly, if you have as many views as Ariana Grande does. You're a ba- you're an act that cannot play arenas. You're an act that is playing 500 to 1,000 cap rooms. Uh, your tour history is not great. You're, you're a very popular band, but your tour history is not great. So what you need to do, frankly, is kind of rough it out a bit. And that's okay, because I'm going to explain how they should rough it out in, lux- in luxury. What they should have done is they should have taken a bandwagon. What is a bandwagon? A bandwagon link will be in the show notes. But what a bandwagon is, is what you see most bands now traveling around on Warp Tour. Bands that are not the headliners, like Sleeping With Sirens or Mice and Men. And so a bandwagon is uh, kind of what it sounds like. It's a step down from a bus and a step up from a van. It has eight bunks in it, and it has two couches, like a front lounge sort of area, with a um, with a fridge and a TV and a sink and all of that. So a bandwagon for Warp Tour costs about with the driver with a driver. So you have a bandwagon cost and then you have a driver costs about twenty seven hundred dollars a week. What does that do for you? It means you never have to get a hotel. Instead of having a Sprinter like uh, Pomplamoose did, which also had like bunks in it, even though they still got hotels, they could have essentially wiped out at least $10,000 of that expense, frankly, because they still paid money to be on the road. They still spent money to be on gas. They're in a 42 foot van. Okay. And they spent 12 and they spent 12 grand on gas and airfare and parking tolls. So on the front side, they could have, they could have essentially wiped out their whole hotel bill. A few other things. So, so, so let's stop there so we can get into the, the contention. As we've said from the start, Jack Conti, smart guy, runs a very smart, one of the smartest startups, I would say, in the business. If you think he didn't consider this, and this is also what I should say, the guy from Artery Foundation wrote an op-ed on All Press said, and, you know, this is basically every scene person said with Zach saying, Zach said it a little bit more eloquently, I will give him that. I think you're ridiculous if you think he didn't consider this. Here's the difference between Pomplamoose and a scene band, and what I think everybody in the scene can't get out of their head. They needed to hire professionals, not the retards that you guys take on tour with you. You know, Artery takes a sound man, let's say, and the light guy, combo tour manager dude, and, you know, it's Jake, and Jake's a road dog, and he's got a tattoo of his of his dog from when he was 13, and Jake doesn't care about sleeping in the bandwagon. Pomplamoose switches instruments to an insane degree every single song there's an accordion three different keyboards claves all sorts of instruments that need to be to switched around in the middle of a song and they need a sound man who can handle that thing and they need professionals on tour of mice and men let's say or some artery band or knuckle puck need 
somebody who's just about the level of IQ above Down syndrome to do this. No, sound so for you're them. totally wrong. You like oh. you're so wrong, Jesse, because you like so sleep. Let's use sleeping with sirens and Pierce the Veil as an example. They're yeah. on a massive tour right now. Let's use a day to remember as an example. They've gone on two arena tours two years in a row. Sure. These people don't have dumb individuals working for them. They may take out they may take out buses instead of bandwagons, but you know, they have large crews and they have specific people that they pay, frankly, a lot of money. They may pay a lot of money. And they're good. And I'm not saying they're not good. What I'm saying is is it's a dime a dozen to be able to do with those jobs. To be able to do sound for a rock band is a skill that so many people have, but to be able to do the sound for all those instruments switching off and kill it at it and have it sound good, amazing, and sound seamless is a job that a dozen people can do, not 200, and you don't have a huge job pool doing it. I'm sorry I'm insulting some of those people's intelligence, but it is a, I shouldn't be calling it a Down syndrome job, but it is a job that is a lot easier to come by and a lot more idiots can do it. You have to have really, really refined a skill to be able to do what you need to do for to do sound for Pomplamoose compared to sleeping with sirens. And so where I wanted to go with this is that when you get to that level of talent, a lot of them say, I'm not sleeping in the fucking van all night or the bandwagon. I don't want to sleep in the fucking bus. I want there to be hotels if I'm going to take this tour. And if you think that wasn't a consideration and part of this, I think that's the big point I want to make is I'm sure this was part of the conversation. It's like, okay, we can have a tour bus, like even, or we could have this, this bandwagon, or we can get to it. And I'm sure a lot of the talent demanded that said, you know that. And then the other thing I would say is, is that, these are also singers now. I don't want to ever underestimate that scene singers can um, be babies about their voices. But a lot of singers, as they get to a higher level, they're going to say, I need to be in a hotel for the night. Uh, I can actually remember certain bands uh, coming up that that started to be a thing, is that I need to get my perfect night of sleep so I'm getting a hotel every night so I can hit the notes and ensure that I stay healthy through this tour. And that's just a decision you come to. I think this whole conversation's been missing. That what happens in punk is, is you are totally shamed if you say that before you're ready to do it. And I think what they decided to make a, make a choice was, is that we're going to get rest every night so that everybody is backing vocals. Sound awesome. That if, let's say, the lighting guy or the house front, I'm sorry, the front of house lighting uh tour manager guys says i need to be in a hotel every night they made that decision i'm sure that was a conversation and i think that just gets so left out of the the scene people discussing that like you know what like that's part of the conversation and i'm sure that conversation was had i'm sure that's why they chose to do that this way not that they're overlooking some very obvious knowledge that everybody is mentioning i think I think they're in a weird in-between as a band where they have, they, I think rightfully so, right? They're in this kind of like pop YouTube world where, you know, it's not like they were playing basements ever, you know? And that's okay. That's totally okay. Um, but they're not at a point with that success where they're playing electric factories every night or larger, you know? So they're, they're in this in-between level. And my thing is, is that like, frankly... You're not, you're not going to be able to do this again and again if you can't tough it out for a while. And sometimes you do just have to tough it out. And uh, there's a lot of back and forth on this whole thing. This this was a very nice week of chitter-chatter, this topic over Thanksgiving week for the music industry. People like talking about it. So Bob Lefsetz wrote a lot about it. And you can think Lefsetz is an idiot. I don't want to necessarily talk about him. But like this artist, Hoodie Allen, um, do you know who that is, Jesse? I mean, I've heard the name. So he he kind of is a similar thing where it's just him, but he has a band that he pays, and it's a it's not the same kind of music, but it's that same kind of world, right? And he wrote in this letter to Left Sets that got published that was like he walked through everything that went right and wrong, and the thing that went really wrong here, besides the travel to me, is the salaries and per diems. 
again, I think Pamplemousse is in a place where they're in an in-between between being a real, like a real, like a real band that knows how to tour and tours all the time and is super successful and a band that has a lot of media success but hasn't necessarily translated that yet. So for the salaries of this tour to be, I think the number was $48,000. Yes. Per diems are $20 day payments. That's fine to me. But beyond that, uh, like the crew, the crew, sorry, the band members got a salary and so did the crew. So the crew I get, to me, that's fine. At the same time, if your band is going to come, the band is $11,000 in the red because they gave themselves more than $11,000 of salary on a 23-day tour, 24-day tour, whatever it was. And to me, that's the part where it's insane. Like, clearly the money the money didn't add up. And, and Conti is, like, you know, waving his flag around that he's great because he's a CEO of this company that just got millions of dollars pumped into them and he refuses to take a, a dime as a CEO. You know what? Your company's going to be okay. Like, he's... He's taking money from the wrong place. Like he, he's priding himself on not taking money from his, uh, you know, his tech startup that's going really well, and that he deserves to get being paid for it. And instead, he wants to be paid for by his band that cannot pay him in a place that makes his band healthy. Some bands you can't get paid for years, and if that's the case, well, you can't be in your band anymore. And to me, it's like, do you guys want to be a band or do you just want to do your YouTube thing? Because you can still make a fuck ton of money on YouTube, and that's great. But if he wants to be in a band, like that, this is like the reality. You can't just necessarily be, you know, whatever. Like who, uh, you can't be Ariana Grande just because you, just because you have YouTube views. Like it just doesn't always work like that. And so if you want to be in a band, you got to be in a band. And being in a band doesn't mean you're necessarily going to make a salary on a 23 day tour where the mo- the average size of the venues you're playing are 500 cap. Like that's not, that's not realistic to me. So. This is uh, this I think goes back to the the my argument against this is what I think everybody's neglecting is they had that conversation too, and what they decided to say is we this is the level of show we're gonna want to put on for this so that the next time we go come back around it's double the size crowds and what they deemed is we're gonna need this level of musician this level of musician gets paid X amount. Now, yet again, we get back to the market thing, is that seeing people sit around going, you know, you need a guitarist who can play, jun, 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 jun. I mean, if I threw a rock outside my window in Williamsburg, I'd hit one. But, you know, a musician who can handle cra- the crazy harmonies in Pompomus' music, the multiple instrumentation and all that stuff, not so easy to come by and does demand a higher salary than I think a lot of scene people are used to. Two, I think what they decided to do is make an investment into that. If they put on this level of a show, when they do tour, and they're, it's very clear they're not going to road dog their life. They're busy doing other things. They're making videos. They're CEOing companies between the two. And let's also keep in mind that the band is the two of them uh i believe they're married if not they date or something um and they're basically saying like by the next time we come out let's say that's six months or a year we want to be playing double size the venues and this tour will be the one just like everybody else did where they lost money now all the scene people have no problem when the band loses money on their first tour because that's part of the thing and I think just because these numbers were so much higher, everybody's like, oh, I could have done that so much better. But I think these were conscious decisions that they made as an investment saying, we've never toured, we've played some one-off shows in some cities, and we've done this, but this is going to be the first time where we make an investment into that this is part of our income. And I don't get why it's acceptable to do this when you have oh, 15 kids on your first tour and you lose money and if you did it by percentage why of views of people everybody would have been psyched and everybody else is like i could have optimized this yeah no shit sherlock like a- anybody could have optimized this they had conversations they figured this out and i just think outside of the scene you forget how much people need to be played who are actual i don't want to call them real musicians because that's demeaning to how great a lot of these players are in our scene. But 
who do have a skill set that's much more in demand than their their skill set of going jun 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 really tight. So let's say they did think everything out, and you know I'm sure they did too. So let's say they they thought everything out and they they actually projected correctly. We're gonna lose twelve grand on this tour. Do you? Th- they obviously did it anyway, and maybe they did think that this tour would be the tour that was gonna get them to the next tour that brought in a lot of money. But to me, I, I still just run into this very simple like frustration where if that's the case, right, if they did plan all this out and they said, we could do a bandwagon, but we're not going to, or we could have uh, not done hotels, or we could have had our sound guy double as our TM, and we, we're not going to, and we're going to lose 12 grand, and that's what we got to do. I know he's not necessarily like complaining, complaining, and complaining. A lot of what he's doing is spelling stuff out in this. I don't think he's even complaining. I think he's actually just being transparent so people understand the, a weird place the music business is in. I don't see any complaining tone as I rescan this article. I don't either. I, I just think where I have a problem is that like it, he nowhere does he like he does say at the bottom, we have not made it. We're making it. And that's good. Like that. I'm very glad he said that, you know, very glad he said it. Same time. It's like that's that's reality. So do you think he's really just saying reality and we really all are making way too big of a deal of it? Or do, I think, uh, well, or do you not think he could have done, like, you know, you, you've continued to say he has thought all of this out and they decided not to do that. That I believe you. I, I, I think the exact same thing. But was he right then? Like, is there is there not saying, actually, no, yeah, it's great you thought it out. You still made the wrong choice. Well, I mean, so here's the thing is, is when we watch, let, let's let's use Light Years as an example. Okay. You guys have had some tours that didn't profit, I imagine. Yeah, the band has, uh, band has never made money. So let's say they go out on two more tours and they never, it just doesn't work out. You know, it's the same kind of question. You guys deemed that taking a loss in these tours was the right thing to do to build the fan base. But, you know, that record lives on in 2000 kids' hearts. I think it's fine and da 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 da. Like, I don't know how to, I want to weigh these bands decisions i just i think that actually it's great that he put this out we had this conversation but i would i guess i was mad about what my gust of tweets was about was how righteous the scene gets in that like we know what we're doing and our methods are right when they really don't get a lot of the decisions that have to be made in a world outside the scene um and i think there's one thing too that like Obviously, anybody who's listening to this podcast gets that I'm kind of like one of those people who, in life, I'm like, well, you should get the scene because punk rock has a lot of the answers you're looking for, just as I think, like, stoicism has better answers than the Bible. But, like, there's also a part of me that then sees, like, there is a humongous ignorance towards, you know, what it's like to hire adults versus children. There's a skill set that comes with being an adult, some maybe not even an adult, a more well-rounded person who's in a different musical world who has a in a more advanced skill set that you do have some expenses that I just feel like the artery guy was so tone deaf to to discuss and I think that what we need to have the discussion of is that like what I think is the most interesting thing to be discussed is that like we're always trying to one size fits all and say like, I got the equation. I got the equation. And you know, the equation is really, really weird. I mean, I'm even seeing like a funny thing of that, you know, like they, uh, they make music through that company louder. And I'm like, wow, like who's making money through louder. These guys are a weird, weird anomaly. And they always were, I mean, they were making a lot of money through Google pay when I, uh, interviewed him five, six years ago. Like who was doing that? I think this is just a really interesting tale of like, here's loss and here's profit. And that looks so different from artist to artist these days. Yeah. To me, I just, the other issue, and we don't really need to go into this too much because we're running long. Is that like, I find it kind of, they need to be doing some, like whether they're happy with the decisions they made or not. I do think there's stuff that should be going better. Right. Uh, their merch sales were $29,700. That equals, uh, twelve hundred dollars a night for the shows they did. Like, you know, if you're a headlining tour in rooms that are four hundred to a thousand people, like, I think I think there's a disconnect mm. too between their fans and yeah, but because of the kind of music they're playing. Yeah, I mean, we got we got to remember though that like, there's that thing of like, you know, like 
there was like that great statistic about like grizzly bears like and you know i often point to them as being terrible at merch but like you just like in general in life even when you see bands like with like 40 shirts that are pretty big like a, the grizzly bear size shirt people just are like i don't need a fucking grizzly bear sh- shirt and like it's the same thing like you know i like i don't know any of my indie rock friends who are like oh i want to go out and get an indie rock band shirt i mean the black keys have douchey enough fans to buy their shirts but like no matter how good your merch game is and no matter how good your designs are there's fans of certain genres i think these guys especially these guys are like you know a soundtrack for startup people like they don't they're wearing super fancy clothes they're like i'm not buying a fucking pomplamoose shirt i mean also who wants the name pomplamoose in their fucking shirt <laughs> well that's that <laughs> that's the best ending we're gonna get Thank you to everyone for listening to Off The Record this week. Head to offtherecord.fm to check out show notes, to leave us any feedback. Jesse can be found at Twitter at Jesse Cannon. I'm at Z Zerillo. And our podcast is at Off The Record FM. We'll be back next week.